right, welcome back everyone to the Shock Resolver podcast. It is great to have you along with us, where you are, whether you are on your favourite podcast app or on YouTube. And I am joined by one guest, uh, you say a regular guest, <laughs> You're a, Joey. Yeah, yeah, popping in every now and then. You are, and yeah. popping on more and more often, which is great. Yeah, happy and, to join. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on. I just realised that we are close to matching, but reversed. You're wearing oh, yeah. a dark shirt. I've got dark shorts on, and then you've got a green shorts on. I have got a green shirt on. Yeah, that's something I seem to do on this podcast a lot, which is talk about what other people are wearing. <laughs> people wearing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not intentionally. It's just a really good way to start the podcast. Well, I think it's a good way, and then I do it too often, and it's not not that good. <laughs> Um, always, we always start every episode with a cultural artifact. Yeah, you had one, and that you actually used in a sermon. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's right. Let us let us have it because I'm I'm interested to hear what it is. Uh, okay. Um, I just recently, just in spare time, been watching uh, the show Jack Reacher mm. on Prime. It's on Prime, isn't it? On Prime. I've seen yeah. the tile, but yes. I have not uh, watched it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was one of those uh, moments where I just wanted to watch something that was. Didn't have to put too much thought into it. Right. Just kind of, there's a bit of action. There's a bit of um, kind of thriller kind of stuff in there. So who is Jack Reacher though? What does he do? Who is he? He's he's like a... So we should say spoiler alert, I suppose. Oh, spoiler. Well, I mean, just I, his identity is not like that much of a spoiler. But he's okay. a kind of ex-military guy, um, special investigations kind of division in mm-hmm. army. And he's retired from that. He's bit of a grifter, I suppose. He just kind of floats along in life now, um, city to city. Uh, but in this story, he comes across this really quiet rural town uh, and there's been a murder there. Mm. And so he he kind of gets drawn into this kind of the conspiracy and all the stuff that's happening in that town. Right. Yeah. And so, so it's guy. just in one town, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, oh. it's pretty much set in in one time. That's so funny because yeah. when I look at the, as I said, I've only seen the tile yeah. or even looked at the info, I feel like it's not in just one town. Uh, I mean, he'll travel like to maybe one or two different destinations, but I guess the majority of it is kind of, yeah, um, kind of restricted to the people there and um, yeah, kind of, it, it's hard to, yeah, try not to spoil it at the moment. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, all right. There is stuff that happens outside. Yeah. But it, I think the clever thing they've done is that it's kind of bounded by um, yeah, this town and the characters. And, really? Yeah, yeah. There's a few of those shows around. I can't yeah. think of them exactly. I mean, what's the one with the zombies? I can't remember it. It's, it was, oh, gosh. <laughs> it's gone out of my head. Sorry. But there's a, there's, there seems to be quite a few shows like that. And it's now like just bounded by one area. I yeah, mean, yeah. there's the, the classic Blue Healers. Which is like the most crime-ridden town oh you've ever been to. Yeah. That's a that's a throwback. That's yeah. Way back. yeah, it is. But that's the kind of country town that, um, yeah, it's not. It's limited to one area. Yeah. I suppose, and I suppose uh, Breaking Bad was kind of like that too. It was in a town in Arizona. Yes. And I was, and then similarly to probably to Jack Reacher, it expanded from that. I think, but yeah. uh, I suppose there's a, there's a. I mean, it's a it's a traditional storytelling technique, isn't it, to mm. keep it to one area. Yeah. Or oh, The Last Stop Larimer was the show that Stu has brought on uh, before, yeah, which yeah. is about, yes. I think, only 11 people live in the town and yeah, they don't yeah. know who's done the who's uh, committed the murder. Yes. But how, how did you use Jack Reacher in your sermon, <laughs> yes, though? Yes, that's right. Um, his main thing as he kind of delves deeper into this kind of murder mystery 
there's one point where he says, someone asks him, oh, what are you going to do? Because something serious has happened that relates to him. And he has this kind of really poignant line. He's just like, uh, payback, justice, and vengeance. Ooh. And that's, yeah, you're just like, oh, bad stuff's about to go down. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, he's going to do some damage yeah. uh, along the way of trying to solve this mystery. And I, I used that as kind of like just a bit of an illustration in my sermon at the end of 1 Samuel. We've been in that series. Mm. It's been a great series. Mm. But the fact that uh, when something bad happens to the hero in 1 Samuel, which is David, uh, but when something happens that's bad to someone you look up to or someone that you think, oh, like they don't deserve it, then the very automatic reaction from our world and from us as well, is kind of like we want payback. Like we want justice to be served. Uh, but often we think, oh, like we need to take that into our own hands. Yeah. Or we, we would want that. Yeah. Like when Jack Reacher says that, you're like, yes, Come, go get him. Do it. <laughs> like do it. Mm-hmm. But the, particularly David's example in 1 Samuel is not that. He actually does mm. this reverse where he goes, I actually trust that God is going to uh, carry out justice. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to get back at Saul, even though he's been hunting me down, chasing me around the wilderness in mm. Israel. Uh, we, you know, look at that story and go, he deserves it. Like he could, David should get payback. He should just take Saul's life. But he doesn't. He holds back and he, um, he trusts God's sovereignty mm. and his justice. And so it was just a bit of an illustration as to, you know, our attitudes, but compared to David, this, like God's chosen king, how does he respond mm-hmm. in that situation? Mm-hmm. And there's, isn't there there's so many parallels of um, between David and Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. But obviously yeah. Jesus is yeah. far superior. <laughs> yeah, yes. But uh, even the Jewish leaders at the time, when Jesus was there, they said, you're not the Messiah. Like they're expecting a Messiah who absolutely. is going to be this warrior king who's going to um, liberate them from the oppression of the Romans. Yes. And then it's like, and then he gets put on the cross by the Romans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very similar, isn't it? Yes. I think I actually, yeah, alluded to that point as well. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> great <laughs> sermon link. towards the, the great king, yeah. Christ, and, and how, uh, yeah, he could have at any point mm. uh, kind of carried out justice in whatever ways. But yes, he, yes. Um, but he also trusted the world's father. And, mm. and there's a much greater plan at yeah, work rather than so, just... Yeah liberating a town yeah, of yeah. <laughs> whoever's like committed the murder. That's right. Yeah. No, no, that's interesting to think about. Did anyone have any uh, interesting responses to you after your sermon? Like, did they talk to you about that? Uh, not, not particularly about that point. Yeah. Hmm. I think, uh, I think some, yeah, some of the guys, uh, sorry, at our gathering uh, appreciated the comments, I guess, of God being reminded that God is sovereign over all of this, like this mm. kind of... Uh, need to be reminded of that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that and that was the, I guess, the main thread of particularly that sermon mm. towards the end. It was like you know, nine chapters <laughs> that I had to cover. So we tried to <laughs> condense it down. The main point is just God's kind of sovereignty over all that's happening there, even amongst the chaos. Um, yeah, mm. that he is sovereign over uh, his people and his plan to, yeah. to deliver his people. Yeah. yeah, that's something I've been thinking about 
uh, in relation to, and I'm no expert in actually understanding this very well, but the uh, Israel conflict. I've been trying to just do a little bit of research and understand it mm. a bit more. Mm. And just knowing, just trying to think, like, just feeling a bit helpless. Uh, I can't really do yeah, anything. Yeah. But also just, just for the people in that scenario that are you know, innocent civilians being killed, either side. And then also, uh, Stu got us onto a, uh, from, his, from his sermon last week, uh, a YouTube channel of Sergio and Rhoda, and they live in Israel, mm. but Sergio is a, a Jewish man, mm. and Rhoda is a, uh, an Arab woman. Oh, yeah. And it's really, but they're both Christians. Yeah. Well, and so yeah. the, um, there was a great, uh, they, they flew back into Israel and they said how uh, crazy it was that there's only one airline that's currently flying into Israel. Yeah. And I, um, it, they said that it's been given us uh, insurance backing by the Israeli government at $6 billion in case anything happens. But apparently there has been scenarios where people have been flying in on commercial flights and seeing rockets flying in the distance. Like, it's just insane. Wow. But it was really encouraging hearing them talk about it. It's like, we just prayed and trusted that God would look after us. And both their families, a Jewish family and an Arab family, have come together. And it's because of Jesus. And that's what's really cool about it. And I just, in relation to that as well, I was reading Psalm 46 just a few days ago and it says from verse 8 onwards it says come and see what the lord has done the desolations he has brought on the earth he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth he breaks the bow and shatters the spear he burns the shield with fire he says be still and know that i am god i will be exalted among the nations i'll be exalted in the earth the lord almighty is with us the god of jacob is our fortress Mm. i think it just plays into that fact of people that you spoke to saying that we just need to be reminded of God's sovereignty. Mm. So often, I do, yeah, personally. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I think other people are much better than me at remembering that. But mm. it's very, very important. So it's imperative that we mm. continue to remember. I just looked at a sign here where we're in a congregational <laughs> church and it says, my grace is sufficient for oh, you. Yeah, yeah. Too. And it's like, yes, you are enough, God. Uh, yeah. Just maybe that's a, a bunch of random thoughts, but you were ah, talking yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. It's what really reminded me yeah. to do that. Uh, one of the th- reasons we thought we'd get on, get on the mics today yep. and record <laughs> was uh, talking about y- your experience of finishing co- college recently. Mm. Uh, one question I wanted to ask in relation to you preaching about uh, God's sovereignty and Jack Reacher was how, how much do you think that your preaching has changed just in how long you've been doing it for? It must be just over a year. Yeah, uh, a year and a bit. So coming out of college... I think uh, last year, just as I joined the, the church plant, it's starting to preach maybe once every uh, fortnight. Yes. Mm. Oh, no, maybe, maybe it was a bit less than that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, once every three weeks or mm. so. Uh, and then this year it's transitioned into, uh, it was a fortnight, and then there was a term where I think every all the pastors were a bit busy. <laughs> so I, was, I think I was doing like maybe three a month, mm. and then it kind of settled back down to... Yeah, preaching fortnight. The yeah. reason I ask is because yeah. I'm really always interested in people's process. Mm, so yeah. where I was going to le- try and lead you to is like, how yeah. has your process changed and how has your preaching changed even since you started doing it? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, heaps. <laughs> heaps. <laughs> like, I That's think what's it, interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. It feels like, uh, I think often I'm tempted to like make changes like almost every week. Okay. Uh, uh, but I think along the way I've learned, oh, sometimes you just got to let the process kind of work and make one change test it for a bit mm-hmm. it's almost a bit like Stu's thing of like that iterative process of yep. um, learning trying something uh, and there were some very consistent and kind of foundational things learned at college that uh, kind of set you up to begin that yeah. process of preparation and preaching but kind of going into the ministry into a church plant where there, there has been yeah lots of change happening as an ambiguity and having having to make changes on the fly the, that process has um uh, yeah changed maybe maybe every month or so i'll make like some small changes to my prep just to try and refine things mm. um be more efficient with some of my my time uh, what's an example of that um so i think as a Kind of recovering perfectionist. <laughs> like, there's, there's always been temptation to spend, uh, overspend time in certain areas, okay. maybe in the area of interpreting exegesis, understanding the passage, trying to like uh, get everything like kind of perfect, mm-hmm. right in that sense, mm. which you can never really do, but you're um, just really keen to get the message right, the content right. And that's really important. I think at Sully's we all really want to do that. Yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, being just able to give myself a set time to go, okay, that's that's enough. You've you've done work. You've worked hard on on the translation mm. stuff of uh, at the original languages, at trying to understand the text well. Um, let's let's move on from that. Mm. Uh, so you kind of we kind of knew that. I knew that in theory that. That might be a problem, particularly when I was in college, kind of just, you know, week in, week off, every fortnight, doing the prep and uh, getting stuck in certain places. But then when you actually get into the rhythms of church and, you know, the reality of it, yeah. um, I still got stuck. Like, I knew the theory. I still got stuck in certain uh, moments. Right. And so that kind of affects the rest of your week, the, the your time you spent in other areas of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think every few months I'll kind of just re- just have a look at it, look at my process. Um, am I getting bogged down in certain areas? Yeah, uh, yeah. Just even how how much time I spend on sometimes translation or um, or laboring over like a structure of mm. a sermon. Mm. Like, yes, yeah, really kind of those detail things. Uh, they're good, but sometimes. Uh, I think I get stuck in those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What do you think revealed to you that you might have been spending a bit too much time on it? Was that actually yeah. preaching and going, oh, I shouldn't have spent so much time on this? Or was yeah. it something else? Um, sometimes it was going, just feeling like, oh, I, I probably would have liked to have uh, spent uh, this, this time in the afternoon. Maybe I could have met up with someone. And, oh, okay. and maybe I... I ended up feeling like, oh, I need to spend a bit more time on my sermon. And, um, but yeah, it, it's kind of that balance of, or oh, I'm pastoring these guys here at Sully's Ride. And part of that is, is meeting up with them, 
reading the Bible with them, mm -hmm. chatting with them, praying with them. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think there have, there have been moments mm -hmm. throughout the years where, like, oh, like, there's the imbalance of how much time I'm spending here. Uh, sometimes it's been because I've tried to cram in like a like a meetup with someone yeah. anyway. And I just, but then the sermon prep just gets getting pushed, and I'm scrambling at the end to kind of when it gets to Saturday night. I'm like, I've just finished. I, yeah. I haven't had time to kind of go through it again or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. There's there's those moments that kind of act as flags, mm -hmm. warning lights to kind of go. Oh, you you need to um, you know take better care of how you're using your time oh, okay. throughout the week. And just structure it a little structure bit better. Structure a bit better, yeah. Be mm. a bit more disciplined. Mm. Um, yeah. What about getting up in front of people? Mm. Um, is that something that you did regularly? Uh, at college or well, at, beforehand? Anyway, yeah, any, any beforehand. Because yeah. the, re the reason I'm asking, I should yeah. say, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. Sure. And yeah, they yeah. say you need to, if you're going to do it, and I've, I haven't done it. Sure, sure. But they say you need to get up on stage every multiple nights a week yeah, and yeah. just keep going and be terrible yeah, for yeah, a long yeah. time. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, is it a similar thing that it is just a matter of getting the reps in mm. up front in front of people? Mm. Um, I remember having a similar conversation with Jai, one of our other pastors. Yeah, yeah. And I was there for his first ever sermon that he yes. preached. Yeah, yeah. And he was extremely nervous because oh, yeah. he wanted to do a good job. Oh, and yeah, similar, yeah. similar to you where you're saying you think you might have been over-preparing a little bit. Sure, yeah. Is it really is just rooted in the fact that you want to do a good job? Yeah, but, yeah. Or I think it is, but mm. uh, sometimes it can be too much perfectionism yeah. in the way of good. Kind yeah, of that's right, yeah. So then how, how do you think it's changed of you getting up almost, almost every single week? Yeah. and preaching God's word. How do you think that's made you different as a preacher? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a great question. <laughs> I, uh, and particularly at the beginning, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, nervousness. Mm. I mean, that getting it right in front of the congregation and in front of the church, I mean, part of that is also linked uh, personally sometimes with there's, like, there can be people-pleasing tendencies, kind of a fear of man, like what they're going to think about yeah. Yep. Uh, your sermon, how they'll yep. you know judge your sermon. What do they think of me after this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it becomes a bit personal, and I think a big battle probably for most like young preachers coming out. Mm. I've heard is yeah, like you have to fight that tendency. You have to um, yeah, fear God above fearing mm. man about what others are going to think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think that's that's part of it. That's been struggle. Um, I think there there is there are links to yeah like that stand up kind of comedy kind of thing where you almost have to play the long game. So I'm a fa actually a big fan of yeah. like the stand up comedy stuff as well. <laughs> and often yeah they have to almost they, they have to play the long game. They have to go uh, what I'm doing is <laughs> like that was really difficult or you know that uh, that was terrible like that that yeah. last you have um, to bomb they say yeah. yeah but almost go that's part of the process yeah. Um, I think for the preacher, um, which is yeah, in some ways very, in some ways similar, but also very different from the stand-up comedy, is uh, seeking to be faithful, mm. um, knowing that the communication does matter, like getting a, getting that message across in a way that uh, serves people, is thoughtful, and uh, persuasive mm. in 
persuasive in terms of God's word and what it has to say to them. Uh, just have it constantly having that in the back of your mind, even when you go, oh, I, I didn't think that was a great sermon, or I, I was too nervous, or I don't know if I spoke so well or eloquently about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think having those kind of dual goals, kind of being faithful and uh, knowing that you're not straight away going to be, for most people, <laughs> the most gifted communicator, yes. but playing the long game, mm-hmm. uh, that's, I think, what I've been trying to mm-hmm. hold together and remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think you're better on your feet now, though? Like, if you, if you maybe <laughs> go off on a slight tangent, you're better at bringing it back to the point. Uh, slightly. I, I think. The, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever been that gifted on thinking of my feet and just being able to riff mm-hmm. or, or not riff uh, mm-hmm. in a sermon. But I kind of go on a tangent and speak so spontaneously. Mm. Uh, so I think there are moments where I've been able to share just something that's just come up um, quite briefly. Mm. Yeah. But I, I don't do it often. Mm-hmm. I think I'm better when I've just been able to put some thought into a scripted sermon. Yeah. To communicate. yeah. Well, I think about uh, just even with podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about I've done probably more than 200 episodes across the Shockers over in yeah, Chip Lines. It'd yeah. be close to that. Yeah. And how much better I am at just being relaxed. Yeah, So, yeah, therefore, yeah. I'm better at you know, asking questions or yes. just continuing a point or anything like yeah, that yeah. yeah and uh there was a time i actually remember there was a time when uh when we we're doing our digital services mm. and we we're doing a shock absorber and a chip lunch i was basically doing four podcasts in a day yeah it was just happening yeah regularly. and it yeah. and it was like i was exhausted by the end of the day <laughs> but i was like man i i really enjoy doing this yes but the other thing was we did a shock absorber conference that was on completely online uh-huh. And I realized at the time, and I was I was hosting it, and I was talking to, I think it might have been Stu and Jai, who were on the panel with me at the time. Mm. But I realized afterwards that I was talking about something while thinking about something else different. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. that's a, as a result of a lot of repetitions of doing it. And I think about that also because I think Stu is exceptional at mm. this. I yeah, think yeah. because he, yeah. I mean, yes. he's probably done more than a thousand Bible talk sermons yes. than um, far more than we've ever ever even heard, let yes. alone yeah, yeah, <laughs> let yeah. alone um, spoken. So I think, so I suppose to encourage you that I think mm. it's going to keep improving as you keep keep doing Thanks, it. Yeah, yeah. And and I suppose yeah. it, it's also something that probably people that are listening to this podcast who maybe even just started on their ministry journey like you have yeah, yeah. to hear it and go, oh, okay, I don't have to be. Perfect, because I heard this. Um, there's a podcast I listen to called Modern Wisdom, mm. and he, the host Chris Williamson was talking. I think it might have been when uh, an episode with Jordan Peterson, and he was talking about we spend so much time, even something that we want to do, whether it's preaching, mm. stand up, like we've talked about music, mm. we spend so much time looking at the best in the field. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. we don't, we don't realize the amount of repetitions and hours that those people have put in to get to that point. Yes. Yeah. Now, talent, I think, plays a part and ability, but then also the just like Stu, there's the thousands and thousands and of times of doing it yes. that has made them that level. But we, at this point, like two years out of college, yeah, for yeah. example, 200 episodes in yeah. of a podcast, we compare ourselves to the person that's done a thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the person in front of you and you're like, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. never going to get there. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, but that person has done like 
a multitude more of what you're actually trying to do. Mm. And the, you know, the pool of uh, like that you're comparing yourself to is far higher than you actually like your peers that, that have started around the same time or yeah, trying to yeah. do the same thing. So I think that's always something probably to keep in mind yeah, too yeah. that, you know, and I do that, like I'm very comparative, like oh, I love this thing, I want to, <laughs> I want to do this, this is where heaps good, and you're like, oh, it's nowhere near as good as this. I'm like, oh, but that's because, yeah. again, like this modern, Williams, modern <laughs> Chris Williamson on Modern Wisdom yeah. has done 700 plus episodes. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, he's going to be way better at it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. That's really good, yeah. What is it like, moving on, what's it like, <laughs> you've come out of college, and I think we talked about it a few like the, one of maybe the last time you're on, but mm. I'd, I'd love again. One of the reasons that we do the shock absorber is for other people on their different ministry paths and journeys, just to have a conversation yeah. about things. And I think one of the cool things about having you on is that you're at a different position than even Tim or me mm. or Stu are on. Mm-hmm. So I'd like I'd like to get your personal reflection of coming out of college, being thrown into a church plant, yeah, <laughs> and a very much a just establishing church plan as well. I feel like that's not an experience a lot of college graduates would have. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I'm sure you've got some friends there that you've graduated with that may have just gone gone into other roles. Sure. How does your experience, you think, compare to those to those guys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Like for most. Of my peers, they like some. Some have we're definitely thinking about church planting or are moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, uh, most of them have gone into kind of larger teams and churches where they they've got a more maybe specific kind of role mm-hmm. uh, in a certain area of ministry as a pastor, uh, and it means that yeah, they they get to focus on that a bit more. Just kind of. Uh, learn the ropes in that area before moving to other stuff. I feel like going into this church plant for me has been, <laughs> there's just like, it's like, oh, like everywhere. Like well, it's, it's like just, we're a church plant and yeah. Ride is a church plant. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's been a great blessing actually, though, to be part of this larger staff team mm. and the model that we have of this hub and spoke model of, uh, has been a blessing so that I can continue being part of a wider team. Right. Uh, so just siloed on your own. That's right, yeah. yeah. And that's been usually encouraging to kind of hang out with stuff on, on Fridays. Uh, I mean, one big difference, I, I think, for my peers is on that preaching front, actually. Mm. I think I'm preaching more regularly, probably just yeah, more, more of that repetition happening uh, than most of my other peers, yeah, because they have... Um, more specific specific roles. They're they're preaching, yeah, throughout the year. Yeah. But I think I'm getting more, more reps. More <laughs> more reps. Uh, more chances to test things. More chances to fail, and more chances to learn. Mm. And so that's been that's been really cool. Mm. Uh, and like like we were talking about, I think that's um, that that will be a, a good thing for my preaching as I keep yeah, learning. Yeah, I that, think so yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, that's been a difference. Right. And what about coming to uh, Soul Revival Church too. Mm. I, I feel like, and you tell me if you're if I'm wrong. I feel like that was maybe not what you were planning originally <laughs> to be. Is like first of all church plant, but I think yeah. 
I don't want to sound arrogant here, but we like to do. We say we like to do church a little bit differently, yeah, and that's yeah. not compromising the um, anything to do with the gospel or the word of God. Sure, yeah, yeah. But we like to try and think it through different. How do we do it differently so that we can bring more glory to God? Yeah, yeah. How's that been for you, adapting to that? Yeah. Well, I think surprisingly, it hasn't been so big. Uh, a leap okay yeah in terms of i mean sorry the church plant aspect <laughs> that so that's the first part yeah mm. that was very different wasn't what what i had in mind i think the a more standard pathway is going joining that bigger church and an assistant minister assistant or minister mm. and i mean i'm still an assistant minister but i think <laughs> just it's so different being on the ground the only pastor mm. on the ground and ride mm. um but yeah still kind of being uh, assisting Stu as my boss, as my rector, and yep. and working alongside him, but it's a little different. Hmm. So yeah, it wasn't what I expected, but it yeah, just how it came about in funny ways of of through friendships, through um, through kind of I guess a network of uh, and past ministry experiences. Yeah, and, because you correct me if I'm wrong, mm. but Ian is the one who suggested. Yes, Ian and Grace, yeah. who were at Ride, suggested this. But yeah. you were Ian's leader he, at he, some point? No, he was my youth no, leader. No, he was your youth leader. When right. I was in high school. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, wonderful kind of um, friendship there. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, and then I guess as I came out of, like, when I was in university, came out of uh, university and started working, we were... We'd actually lead together oh. um, at church, no. and, yeah, That's and cool. different Bible studies and stuff like that. So, yeah, the, and also, I Grace came from our our church as well, yes. our previous church. So we kind of knew of each other, uh, and we knew that we were really involved in our different respective ministries. She was more so in the Mandarin congregation, mm-hmm. but just quite involved and wanting to see. The gospel work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Grace is always very involved in many things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was, it was different, but it was also kind of uh, an exciting um, kind of experiment. And uh, because of those friendships, being able to go, oh, okay, yeah, like there's potential in this to, mm. uh, to happen, mm. us to plant and to see what we can, we can do. Something I appreciate you about you is that you think about things really deeply, and even you can see that when, you know, I ask you a question, you're like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I want to make this response very clear. So, coming into a church plant, a church plant of a church plant, sure, <laughs> as yeah, we yeah. said, yeah, uh, a lot of ambiguity. Mm. How has that been for you personally? Um, and you talked about like being a recovering perfectionist as well. Yeah, yeah. How has that been? Like, I really think you've had to adapt to a lot of new things all in one year, plus having a young family. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. How's that? How have you approached that? And I'm guessing that you found it maybe a bit hard to begin with, but you, mm. I feel, I, I feel like I've observed in you becoming more. Um, able to deal with it mm. what do you think of those things that helped you improve that and how do you how do you approach ambiguity because the reason i'm asking that question mm. is 
again, people that listen to this may be thinking about signing a church plant or sure, yeah, yeah. church plants coming and they're, they're getting preparing for it. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be a lot of ambiguity. What was, yeah. What's your recommendations for it? Oh, <laughs> there's so much there. Is that an ambiguous question? There's an ambiguous question. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just a, it's not an ambiguous question. It's more that there's just so much, I think, um, that uh, perhaps I've gone through and yeah, I'm just thinking on my, on my feet now of like what are, what are some of the key things that mm. I have to keep in mind. So in no particular order. <laughs> uh, I think what's really come out of particularly in this kind of, in such an ambiguous environment, kind of a lot of change, a lot of pivoting um, yep. when, when things haven't worked and, yep. and being okay with that or learning to be okay with a lot of that. I think just this uh, thing that keeps coming up is faithfulness uh, mm. for me personally. Mm. Uh, and that I need to be kind of responsible for what, what I can do because there are so many things in that un- ambiguous space of church planting where uh, it can be, you can get quite anxious about it or stressed out, like what is the future going to hold? Like what are we going to do? What's the next steps? And trying to control it. Kind of, yeah, and trying to control those things. Yeah. And so it, it can be easily overwhelming mm. at times. And I think in those moments I've had to go, well, like what is your current just capacity at the moment? Yeah. What are the things that are core to your responsibility as mm. a pastor, mm. as a shepherd of this flock in ride, particularly? And just try and hone down on those things again. Um, how, uh, what's God calling me to to be faithful in in terms of my family as well? Mm. And then that's been really core to just to not let all those things that need to be done or need to be thought about kind of creep into time with um, family life. Particularly like when I go home at night to just the usual things of just trying to be present. You know, like yeah. you know, uh, even if I have designated this time like this is family time this is time with my wife with the kids uh there's that step then there's a step of i could still be thinking about like all that stuff yeah um even as i'm going and so i I think i've had to fight really hard Mm. sometimes haven't been able to do that well Mm. but keeping that as one of the really key things like so faithfulness in terms of just being a husband and father at home uh there's been a I think in those kind of uh, overwhelming moments as well, just uh, th- when thinking about oh the the mission field that's out there in in Meadowbank and Ride South, it's going oh how are we going to reach like these people? They need you know we have such a heart for the lost there. Uh, they they need Jesus, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and going well that's like you know how are we going to think about the strategy and the the tactics to kind of get out there. I think in the more overwhelming moments, I've also had to go, oh, but also, like, don't forget the people in front of you that God has given, our team, our launch team, who gather there regularly every <laughs> Saturday. Like, yeah. don't forget them. Like, uh, be faithful in seeing them grow in their love for Jesus, mm. their maturity in Christ. Uh, so I think that's also another thing that's that's been really impressed upon me, I think. Yeah, yeah. isn't it interesting, and we talked about earlier about you know, my grace is sufficient for you and, mm. you know, God's sovereignty and how we, again, constantly need to be reminded it's God's work, not ours. Yeah. And yeah. I fall into this trap all the time of trying to control 
what I'm doing. If I just do more of this, then yeah, it, yeah. it'll all work in, in it, many areas of my life. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like maybe it's sometimes a little bit similar for you, the over-preparingness with sermons oh, yeah, and, yeah. and things like that. And I'm, I don't mean that to give you a hard time because <laughs> no, I do exactly yeah. the same thing. And, yes, yeah. and I think sometimes I lack faithfulness, exactly mm. what you're saying. And, mm. and again, the, the reminder, it's been a, probably a growth thing for me this year mm. of, yeah, yeah I've got to be more faithful. I'm sure, getting, yeah. I'm getting better, yeah, but yeah. You know, there's so much, so much more room left in that. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. What, what are what are some things that have kind of that you've been able to identify to help you? Yeah, that's an interesting that. question. Yeah. I like that you're asking me <laughs> questions. That's cool. <laughs> I just kind of switch roles for a sec. No, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. I think I've always been prone to anxiety. Mm. Ah. Um, in lots of things. Mm. I've been thinking about my relationship with my wife, mm. um, just my kids, mm. um, just my situation. I, I, I had. I don't think I noticed how bad my anxiety was until I had a real moment where it was got pretty bad. Mm. And since then, I've been able to recognise when it's happening, and I yeah, can yeah. I can deal with it better. Yeah. But I think the next. That was kind of like a, a psychological, and I think God had to really answer my prayers. I'm like, what am I doing here? God really answered my prayers of helping me calm that down in a psychological sense. Mm. And I think what I wasn't doing, though, was having enough faith in God that mm. he would take care of it. Sure, yeah. yeah. And yeah. often it's like, no, I'll, I'll take care of it. Yes, yeah. I'll be able to do this. If I just do more, if I just plan this better, if I just structure it better, if I just do all this... I'll take care of it. Yeah. And I wonder if that's perhaps being raised in a non-Christian home as well. Like, Oh, yeah. That, would have been, yeah, that yeah. could have been part of it too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm thankful again that like for my kids to be raised in a Christian home, yeah. that we can go, well, you know, I mean, I have a conversation with my son. It's like, you know, mate, whether it's going to be hard, this might be hard, you might not enjoy it, but you know that God's got you and yeah, he's, yeah. Gonna, he's got it handled. Yeah, and to just like to be able to relay that to my son, whereas like yeah. maybe I didn't have that to a degree, then then I think that's a big part of it too. So th- there's just, awesome, yeah. just some things I've been yeah. thinking about. I think also um, we mentioned Psalms before. I've been reading Psalms mm. for the last few a month and a half, something like that. Yeah. And I think whether it, I mean <clears throat> whoever is writing it, it's like oh my god, like they're just like my enemies are against me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I haven't. There's nothing else that I can rely on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's helping me a lot with my faithfulness too, because I <clears throat> there's a lot of that obviously in the Old Testament, and I I probably would say I've read much more of the New Testament than the Old Testament. But what I've enjoyed is pairing the two together yeah, recently. Yeah. So yeah, I'll read great. one Psalm and I'll read like uh, I'm currently reading one Peter. Oh, so good. But yeah. It, yeah, I think that's uh, I've gone through lots of different ways of trying to read the Bible stuff. That that rhythm has been really nice for me lately and really helpful and i've been feeling a lot more peace yeah as well just in terms of yeah knowing god's in control i can be peaceful is stuff but i also i found and you might be the same is that when i find that peace i almost can do more sure i don't know if that i don't know if that's the same for you but Mm. it's it's like you're saying not worrying about the things you can't control yeah yeah I can control my actions <laughs> and how I think about things and rely on God, but I can't control what other people are going to do. I'm, I can't control 
how God's going to work with these people in Meadowbank and Ride. Yeah. But I can let him, I can ask him to go, what do you want me to do? Yeah, I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely agree. I think that's like asking him and that, that act of prayer. Yes. I think that that has been a, also a huge lesson in, in reality, in practice of the church plant, <laughs> of just yeah. going. But, uh, personally for me, and I think what the core team and the launch team have been trying to lead them towards and do together mm. is to be prayerful like yeah. in, in that dependence, in that relying on God aspect yeah. when things do feel like, wow, such a huge mm. mission field. Um, there seems like there's heaps to do to go, oh, yeah, let's bring that before God first. Yeah. Yeah. And to be prayerful about that. I think uh, I, like earlier this year, finished uh, a kind of small book on prayer by Michael Reeves. I think, and he kind of reminded me of, of, of a quote from uh, the reformer, John Calvin. Yep. Uh, he says that prayer actually is the exercise of faith. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that too. Yeah. So, well, so not, that, that faithfulness aspect that we've been mm. talking about. Um, yeah. Oh, no. That quote from Calvin makes me think, if I am struggling with my prayer life, that means I'm probably trying to control too much. I think that's what I've realized Mm. recently. Mm. And, yeah, I'm trying to build prayer into my life a lot more again. Um, Usually when I'm trying to go for a walk at lunchtime at my other job, Mm. and uh, it's nice, I've got a, there's a, you know, I walk along this like mangrove area, but it's like a, a full-on path that they've constructed and stuff. Yeah, so it's yeah. great; it's perfect for that. And you yeah, can, yeah. there's not many people around, so you just like kind of you know walking cre- creation a fair bit, yeah. And just going, oh yeah, God, thank you for this. And then I go, oh, you know, it's just like you know when Jesus says like, my um, come to me, who are weary and burdened, my yeah. yoke is light. Yes. Yeah. And that, I think prayer is a big part of that, isn't it? Like, yeah. And again, yeah, it's putting yeah. it's putting faithfulness in God. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I got another question for you that you kind of mentioned it just before we started recording, mm. is that you um, coming into being, as we said again, a church plan and a church plan, grappling with the ideas of the shock absorber and kind yeah. of what we see as theology, strategy, and practice. Yeah. Tell me what that's been like for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, I mean, every, every, even other college graduates are going to come into a church mm. where there may or may not be that kind of framework to how we think about and, and do church. Yes. Yeah. So what's it been like for you? Were you expecting it? Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, like I, I think what I was pleasantly surprised by was the was how it had been articulated okay i think that uh, i think i mentioned to Stu previously that one of the real gifts one of the great things that he's i think he's done is uh articulated quite clearly the you know the strategy the theology strategy and practice for solis mm. and and because of that clarity and that articulation of it like it allows everyone then the whole church to kind of go, oh yeah, like that's that's where we want to uh, head towards as we partner alongside Jesus. Yeah, to do this work. Yeah. Uh, so I think kind of yeah, going back around to kind of one of the questions you were asking actually was it it didn't seem like that big a jump for me. Yeah, 
conceptually when I came out of college because a lot of the things of the shock absorber um, and also of kind of intergeneral, intergenerational ministry, <laughs> uh, kind of the, the community, the tight-knit friendship community, a lot of that I think I had experienced, even though it may not have been articulated so clearly, had experienced even from my, my previous church. Okay. Um, so there's some cultural aspects of that growing up in a Chinese-Australian kind of church, mm. um, very kind of communal, kind of family-oriented uh, church. And so coming in uh, out of college, having chats with Stu about the potential of this church plant, whether I was a good fit for that. Mm. Uh, I think that was really important actually for Stuart, like both, for both of us to be able to go, do we understand uh, each other's visions for, for ministry or what the church uh, under Jesus could look like, um, what that community could look like as well. Uh, that was really important. And I think Stu, particularly as, as the rector, was very much like, that, and that's why the first year, it was almost a kind of a, a year of, uh, almost a year of apprenticeship, actually, kind of <laughs> understanding mm. the the DNA of Sully's, kind of the way that Stu was thinking about ministry uh, in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, him being able to articulate that, I think was helpful for me to understand, yep. to go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm on board with this. Uh, or yeah, oh, these are some things I have questions about. Mm. Um, so let's talk more about it. Mm. Yeah. Do you continue to kind of grapple with some things or not? Uh, Which is okay, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I think I think yeah. I hope I hope to say that I think we're pretty. I think we're all pretty aligned as a staff. Yeah, yeah. But there's we're all going to have our own little, little bits and pieces to, yeah, to yeah. figure out. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think what I was trying to think about then was uh, the. The core things, actually, um, I'm yeah, 100% on board mm. with the theology, the strategy, um, and even the practice of how I've seen it work out in, in Kerui, in the Shire. Mm. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing what God has been doing uh, through Solis. Mm-hmm. Um, the, what I was trying to kind of just put together just then was <laughs> because we're in ride, uh, the differences... Uh, the difference of Rahide and the Shire. Yeah, yep. So, very different contexts, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Very different yeah. demographics. And Absolutely, like yeah. yeah. And so the, the practice then uh, will, I think in some areas, will shift, will change. Mm. How you mm. think about uh, perhaps the, the more practice oriented, the, the details of practice might change in terms of for, for how you reach you know, a ride community. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's been the ongoing conversation for us is as we keep the core things core, yep. the, the theology, the strategy, um, that we want to share the truth and love of Jesus with everyone, all age, all stage, uh, to everyone everywhere in a very, and with the focus of this intergenerational uh, church, um, doing it with such a huge emphasis on, on our friendships together in the community, um, they're wonderful, and we're just trying to figure out. Well, yeah, how does it, does that look different, or does that look the same in in mm. Ride? Uh, what are the nuances of that mm. when we gather together on the Saturday night in Ride? Um, yeah, and I, I think that's been a fruitful conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the core things, I think, yeah, 
been really on board with, really encouraged by. Okay, yeah. well, that's cool. Well, I can understand why you're grappling with that though, because Sorrevival's mm. uh, ministry has only been based in a context in the Solon Shire before. Shire, yeah, yeah. So then when we plant in Ryan mm. with you and the team, yeah. it's... You know, it's going to be a lot of experiment, experimentation, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, What? What do you think, is there anything you can think of that may have worked well in the Shire but doesn't work well in your area or vice versa? Yeah. Like, and because mm. when I come to mm. ride, mm, mm. which sadly I don't get to go as often as I'd like to, <laughs> I still feel when I walk into Soul Revival ride, I still feel like it's Soul Revival. Because yeah. again, of those things, the theology, strategy, and practice are all yeah. the same. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, and it's probably on the practice end, isn't it? Likely yeah, I think that, so, yeah, yeah. What anything that yeah. you can think of that's different or that works differently? Uh, I think. I mean, this is purely just based on kind of me observing, mm. and uh, I mean, I before. Coming to join Solis, I don't think I'd been to the Shire much at all, like <laughs> um, growing up. So it has been uh, really kind of cool just to, you know, come down here, be part of the team, but also just see how, mm. like, the difference in you know, how people live and commu- mm. community, what um, what community looks like. Mm, I could say the same thing about Roy. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, the... I do, I do often wonder, and still kind of a work in progress, but just wonder how much in terms of the Shire, like often people will say like, we're kind of like, you kind of stay in the Shire, like you grow up here mm. and um, you, might, you might buy here and live here. Um, sometimes work, work is still here, although I'm sure people travel out. Yep. Uh, I do wonder how much that effect, that, that effect has had in terms of you kind of, kind of growing up within this bounded space, actually, in, in the Shire. Yeah, there's a um, reason they called the Insula Peninsula. <laughs> insula Peninsula, <laughs> yeah. But, that, but the relationships then are, mm. are quite close, and you kind of know a lot of people, you've grown up with a lot of people. That's true, yeah. Yep. And because of the that really good emphasis of the friendship community like, and being able to invite your friends into this community, I wonder uh, whether the Shire has been a very particular kind of pocket of Sydney that is able to that that lends itself well to doing that because oh. you've kind of grown up a lot like you kind of and you stay together within I mean the shy is pretty big but it's still like it's in this area and I wonder how much of that is the same for right mm. yeah mm. whether uh, like I grew up actually in West Ryan yep. <laughs> um, from primary school onwards uh, and the the sense of kind of being in ride, I don't know how much that was apparent to me or there when I was growing up. I, I feel like people they would go to schools in outside ride. Oh, okay. They would travel yeah. And they would um like when they moved it there wasn't a huge attachment to ride, they'd kind of like buy somewhere else or move somewhere else mm. or rent somewhere else. Mm. It's a more transient. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And particularly in Meadowbank, it's I think it's fair to say it's a bit of a kind of dormitory suburb, people live there, but they go out to play and they go out to work. Oh, that's um, different, isn't it? Yeah. There's more unit blocks, for example. Right? Correct. The, yeah. the density of apartments is just yeah. massive. Yeah. So, uh, but they go out to, even outside to shop, 
Yeah, even for the groceries, they'll go out to Westride because that's more of a kind of marketplace and a oh. bit of a bit more of a village there, more more place to eat mm-hmm. in Westride rather than stay in Motorbank. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, like, even in that that space, quite interesting to think about. Well, what? Um, yeah, the differences between. That's really know, interesting. Shy and right. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the thing about Westride being a bit more villagey aspect. It's mm. how much the the even the for want of a better word the architecture of living high rise living how mm. that changes how you live outside of that place yeah, rather than yeah. living in a house where a lot of people do in the in the shire for yeah, example. Yeah, right. So that would change a lot. I mean, I'm trying to think of ideas, but it's probably not the right time to do it though. But what it, we'll leave it on there because yeah. the, what we might do is that you've presented those kind of challenges that you have. Mm. And in a couple of months or in a month or so, we can hear about how that's changed and, yeah, yeah. and what you've kind of been adapting to as, as a church plant. Yeah. Sure. Um, just to finish, I suppose, I just want to let you know that it's like, it's really cool to have you on because I think you've been really genuine and authentic. And I think that's, Again, one of the reasons, and I've said we do this podcast, is to have a conversation about yeah. anything related to church. Yeah, yeah. And I think the more authentic and genuine it is, the better conversation it is. So then we can have, the better conversations are, the more impact we can have mm. on our thinking or how we do things or uh, anything in regards to, you know, we talked about having faithfulness in God and mm. knowing that that impacts everything that we do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just wanted to say thanks for coming on. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. Um, no, no, but the thing is that you before you was like, oh, I'm not sure how I'm going to go. And then like, we've just done this whole podcast yeah. and it's been great. So I think you, I think you um, sell yourself a bit short there because I think, and I bet you it's the same with more podcasts you do, you get better. That's the same with your preaching yeah. and, and yeah. all that thing. But um, yeah, it's been really fun having you on. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you to everyone listening Pleasure. or watching. Yeah. I really appreciate it. If you have any questions for Joey or myself, you can email them to me at joel at shockersover.com.au. Uh, and we can definitely bring them on the podcast. We've had a few people contact us in regards to listening to Shoggles Oil, which is yeah. amazing. Awesome. Like so that's <laughs> that was the whole point. It was just to have more conversations and more one-on-one conversations yeah. from it. So yeah. that's been unreal. But as always, uh, we'll say thank you again to the audience. Thank you again to Joey, and oh, of course, thank you to Jesus. And yeah. we'll finish with a one-way. Yeah. All right.